That's uh, in the middle of Bibles, page 571. 571. And when you look on the back of our uh, goldy coloured sheets, which have got a sermon outline with ten points on it, that looks a bit intimidating, doesn't it? And uh, so I just want to just want to say, if you're, um, uh, it's also rather a lot to remember. So it may be better, perhaps, if you wanted to pick on maybe uh, one or two things which you thought might be worth remembering, rather than trying to remember the whole lot. Anyway, see how it goes. Maybe the whole thing will be absolutely stunning for you, but we'll we'll see how we go. But let's pray together now. Father, this is a, a, it's a tremendous psalm, and it's encouraging us to praise you. And thank you that it's written down for us to help us and to encourage us and to, I guess, really to give us instructions on how to do it. So we pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to praise you better as a result of, of reading this and studying this together tonight. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we're thinking this evening about praising God and how we're going to praise God. Now, David was uh, a new king. He defeated the Philistines, the Ark of God, which represented where God was on earth. His very presence was brought back to Jerusalem. You can read about that in 2 Samuel 6. Amid that it said there, uh, shouts and the sound of trumpets. And someone, we don't know who, but someone decided they were going to remember that great day, either pretty much at that, that time or maybe a little bit later on, and they wrote a psalm, Psalm 47, and here it is. And it's a psalm of praise. And it's all about praising God. And that's one of the things we do as a church, isn't it? And one of the things that's good and right for us to do as a church, to meet together and to praise God. But how do we do it? And we want to be biblical Christians. So what should our praising of God look like? What should it feel like? What sort of things should we be focusing on if we're going to praise God the way the Bible says we want to be praising God? Well, we've got these um, on the back of our sheets there. We've got these ten descriptions, if you like, of, of what it should be like to praise God. Ten, um, well, to be technical, they're adverbs, aren't they? Um, some of them you might find a bit surprising. Um, but also, well, I want to say just before we begin on the ten of them, that uh, there's, there's more to it than you might at first think. Because when you look at this, a lot of it is actually about Jesus. A lot of it is a description that, that actually Jesus fulfilled completely and perfectly. Um, so, for instance, if you look at the end of verse 2, the great king over all the earth, that is a description of Jesus. He is our king, and he is now the risen, ruling, reigning king over all the earth. Or the end of verse 6, sing praises to our king. Well, we talk, don't we, about Jesus being our king. For God is the king of all the earth. Again in verse 7 there. Who is the king? Well it is, well it is the trinity isn't it? That we're actually praising God. But how come he reigns? How come this Jesus who we're talking about tonight and who will be uh, a part of the Godhead whom we are praising, how come he reigns? Well, you look at verse 5, and it says, God has ascended amidst shouts of joy. Now, originally, that was talking about the ark, going to Jerusalem, going up to the temple, or the tabernacle as it was when it was first written, a kind of rather large tent. But actually, um, when it says God has ascended amidst shouts of joy, many people say, well, that's actually also talking about Jesus' ascension. 
his return to heaven after uh, the crucifixion and after the resurrection. And he now sits enthroned in heaven, reigning over the nation. So uh, you can read this psalm, you think, yes, it's all Old Testament stuff and so on, but actually there are a lot of, of clear directions here that we're talking about, not just stuff thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago in the Old Testament, but there is a clear focus of Jesus here as well. So we're praising God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the issue is, how do we do it? And the first thing is this, energetically, energetically. Now, um, when we study the Bible, we often, I reckon, we forget to do that, but uh, do this. But there is, you've got to get a kind of feel of a passage. So when you read the Bible, you've got to ask the question sometimes, perhaps every time, actually, what does this feel like? How is it coming across? What's the impression that it gives? And Psalm 47 is a psalm that is full of energy. So whoever was writing this, he's not bored, okay? He's not twiddling his thumbs. He's not looking at his phone and checking um, Instagram and so on. He's not watching the clock go round. He's not standing there with his hands in his pockets. He's not just kind of yawning about this. There's energy here. So look at the beginning of verse 1. Clap your hands, all you nations. Now, this isn't... Well done, God. Marvellous. It's not that. And I've been in places where we say, well, let's give God a round of applause. And I think, let's not... Because it's just ridiculous. God is far greater than worthy of a round of applause. What this is saying, now, yesterday, okay, uh, two minutes into the, uh, the match, the match yesterday, what happens? Answer, Tuilangi scored a try, right? So what did you do? You went, yes, right? So th- what this is saying, clap your hands, it's saying, yes, that's the idea. It's kind of... You know, that's wonderful. It's not, well, give God a round of applause. All right? Got the idea? So this is really, when he's saying this, it is actually something far greater. It's just a a clap of exuberance and enjoyment. And that was fantastic. And God, you're fantastic. And uh, much in the same way as if if there's something absolutely wonderful or a theatre and you want to say, that was the most, ah, that was an incredible piece of uh, acting or music or a catch or a whatever. Okay? A wonderful shot Roger Federer's backhand or something like that it's spontaneous jubilation and excitement uh, at a great and wonderful news that God is with us that he likes us that he's died for us that he's alive today and you can't artificially generate that this is just simply an energetic response because the good news of the gospel and God's presence with us is so wonderful that's the first thing energetically okay next number two Joyfully, joyfully. Look at verse 1. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. And uh, verse uh, 5 as well. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. And, you know, the ark was being taken up to the tabernacle and so on. And there was, this was wonderful. This is in some ways the highlight of the history of Israel. And, uh, uh, and the order, uh, uh, in order for God's presence to be with his people, is, uh, there, is some, there is such here, the response to that is such an awe-inspiring and, and enthusiastic joy. And it tells us at least two things about this God of ours. The first, he's no tyrant. He is no tyrant. He is a, a, a good and benevolent ruler. It's good to have him ruling over us and to have him as our king. That's a good thing. 
So, for instance, look at verse 6. He wouldn't be crying out, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our God, sing praises, if we were cowering in his presence, because he was some kind of presence, because he was some kind of tyrant. There's joy here in the praises of God's people, simply because God is good, he's very good, he's no tyrant. And the second thing is, look at verse 4. The end of the verse 4. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. And that's a shorthand way of talking about God's people, whom God loves. He's a God who loves his people. Okay? That means you. And me. And whatever we've done. And whatever we've been through, and whatever kind of a week we've had, and whatever kind of week we're going to have in this coming week, he still loves us, and he's there with us, and it is a joy to praise him. Third thing, energetically, joyfully, third, obediently. Now, have you noticed, for instance, in verse 1, clap your hands, all ye nations, shout to God with cries of joy. They're commands. They're commands actually to the world. This is a global command in verse 1. But also, for instance, in verse 6, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. Um, the word in the original there, um, it's not two words, sing praises, but it's one word, which makes it kind of a bit more forceful uh, in the original there. And it's, saying, and, it's a, and it's a great command to sing God's praises. When I was at school all those years ago, we had Saturday morning school. And fourth period on Saturday morning in the lower sixth, we had maths with a, a useless teacher who we called Jock Llewellyn. And uh, he wanted to go home as much as we did. So he came into the class, fourth period on Saturday morning, with his newspaper. And he set us to work, and then he set about reading the newspaper. And then periodically, as we were sitting at the back, sort of mucking about and not doing any work, he would just uh, put his newspaper down, and he would look at us, and he would say, Work! To which I felt like responding, Teach! I never got around to saying that, but I wish I had, really. But, um, um, but actually, this command to sing praises, it's, it's that. It's a one-word command. And it's clear what we've got to do. Just as it was clear what he wanted us to do, as he read the newspaper on a Saturday morning. Um, and, uh, uh, and the psalmist is doing it as well. He's as involved as anyone. He's saying, you know, look at verse 6, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to us, King, sing praises. Um, it's, he's doing it, and he wants the people he's writing for and to, to join with him as well. So, so he's saying, let's do this. We can't not do this. He's our king. He's here. He's in our hearts. So the singing and the giving of God praise is the only good and res reasonable response to him. So the praise of God is not an option. For God's people, for Christian people, it is a command, an appropriate command. If you don't feel much like doing it, still do it. If you're getting a bit fed up with situations and so on, at that work or at home or whatever, well, we still go around and we will be praising God. You don't feel much like coming to church? Get out and come on down here. Because one of the things we will do is to be praising God. And that's a good thing for God's people to do. It's good for us, because we're obeying God. And it's good, actually, as God's people to do it together. 
And it's, and it's something which is actually good for our relationship with God. Because it will grow that and give him the honor that's due to his name. Obediently. Just briefly, number four is globally. Globally. Uh, by that, I don't mean wherever you go in the world, although it would be appropriate to say that. But what I mean is the world is doing it. The world is doing this. Now, Christianity is struggling, really, frankly, in Western Europe. But it's growing strongly in, say, South America, Africa, Asia. Uh, The world is praising God. So, I don't know if you've ever done a Bible study. Get a concordance, look up the word nations. There are loads and loads and loads and loads of places where nations is mentioned in the Bible. But here is mentioned a number of times as well. Clap your hands, all you nations, in verse 1. Verse 3, you subdued nations under us. Verse 8, God reigns over the nations. Verse 9, nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. All nations are called to praise God. It's not something just for people who are enthusiastic in uh, South America or something. It's not just for people in, um, you know, kind of more charismatic churches where they're uh, all good, much, much better at this kind of thing than us. No, it's actually called for everyone. All, everyone who is part of God's people and anywhere in the world to be praising God. It is a global thing. Christianity is a global religion. God will be praised across the globe. And that's why it's good, for instance, to have some internationals here at BH, part of our church family. Because you remind us that God's a global God. And he will be praised across the globe. Energetically, joyfully, obediently, globally. Number five is reverently. Reverently. It's not very popular these days, reverence for God. Sounds a bit Victorian, doesn't it? Look at verse two. The Lord Most High is awesome. The great king over all the earth. Now, the the little phrase, most high, was used by other religions in those days to refer to the biggest and best god. So there are lots of gods, but this one is the most high. It's like on the top shelf kind of thing. And the psalmist here says, God is the Lord most high. He is incomparably the greatest. He is the one that you want to put on display for everyone to see. He's a great king. That's often used, that's in verse 2, that's often used of the imperial rulers in the nations around God's people. Uh, in, in this day here, in what, well, soon after this, the imperial rulers of Assyria, the world superpower. And it's, um, uh, and he's saying he is, this God is awesome. Some versions of the Bible translate it terrible or fearsome. But it's talking about his greatness and his power and his splendor and his majesty. That you would not take him lightly. And here he is saying, as our people we will praise this great, fearsome, wonderful, loving, engaged God with all of our being. We do it reverently. That means we won't be flippant, means we'll take this seriously. It's one reason, for instance, why I will never sing with my hands in my pockets. I made a vow years ago that I would never sing with my hands in my pockets. You will never catch me singing with my hands in my pockets. That's just something for me, but for me, that helps me to have uh, a bit more reverence for God as I'm singing his praises. 
I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm saying I find it helpful. So how, how do we praise God? Energetically, joyful, obediently, globally, reverently, and actually vocally. Vocally. It's out loud. It can be heard. So look at verse 1. Clap your hands, shout with cries of joy. Uh, 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 verse 5. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. And uh, um, so we're praising God and worshipping God, not just singing, but we can also say our praises, like we did uh, in the reading this evening. Saying, shouting, speaking out. Um, maybe we should have more of that. It means we can also do it at home. I mean, you may sing on your own at home because it's okay and no one can hear you kind of thing. Um, but, but actually you could still speak out loud as we read our Bibles and praise and pray to God uh, each day on our own. We can do that out loud. Sometimes that really helps. And, uh, and we want to joyfully sometimes just speak out our praises of God and how wonderful uh, he is. Other people might hear us and think we're speaking to ourselves. No, we're not. We are praising the God who is the most wonderful, wonderful being in this universe. And then the next one, not just vocally, but uh, to use our vocals well musically. Um, So verse 6 talks about sing praises, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises. I think that's clear. Verse 7 Sing him a psalm, sing to him a psalm of praise. Verse 5, using instruments, trumpets, the sounding of trumpets, and so on. Now, naturally, it seems to me, when we're happy, we want to sing. Don't we? That's, that's, that's what we do. And uh, God has made singing to be a, a, a great, tremendous, emotional vehicle of praise. And there is something about music which is special in that, even if you're not terribly musical. And if you are musical, then you'll really get that, won't you? Don't have to be a musician to understand that. But why not sing privately the praises of God? Come here prepared to sing jointly the praises of God. I mean, after all, this is about the only place on earth I can think of where people sing together when we haven't been drinking. Well, that's possible, the overstatement, but not much. And what a privilege to sing God's praises together. And, of course, it does mean, doesn't it, that we want to pray for our musicians. So if you're praying for the Sunday services, pray for Matt and our musicians and the singers and the team up here who lead us and help us and uh, uh, and it just reminds me to say, can you play? Can you sing? Are you are you a, a kind of are you hiding your talent under a bushel? Is there some way that you could be up here helping us all? Have a word with Matt afterwards. So um, uh, and then we're going to think about doing it reasonably, reasonably. So for instance. Clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy, verse 1. And then you could say, okay, why? Well, look at verse 2. It begins with the word for. I'll give you a reason why we should do that. Or uh, or verse 6, sing praises, sing praises, sing, 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 sing. Why? 
Verse 7 starts with the word for. I'm going to give you a reason why we should sing praises God. He's awesome. He's the great king over all the earth. He is the king who has died for us, who has raised from the dead, who's risen to heaven, is now reigning on high. There's a reason for our praises. I mean, our praises are not like blowing bubbles. If you're listening to this on the internet, I'm going to go, it's going to, that wasn't very good. I'm going to blow some bubbles. Okay? How long do they last? They're going to go, aren't they? And there are a few of them. Actually, there's one sitting on the carpet there. They'll be done in, gone in a few days' time. Or a few minutes' time, I trust, I'm sure. But you see, our praises are not like bubbles that just pop and go and there's nothing left and it's gone. Our praises uh, are a reasonable thing. They are, they have substance. They have a reason. And in Psalm 47, we have lots of reasons. So, for instance, in verse 7, for God is the king of all the earth. That's why we praise him. Or verse 8, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. That sounds a bit like King Jesus on his throne in heaven, doesn't it? And uh, the idea of God being seated on his throne and the nations gathering before him comes time and time again. Is there in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, for instance? It's a picture of the future, uh, how it's going to be. So there is a very good reason to be praising God, actually with all of our hearts. He's king over all the world, the awesome king over all the world. And so our praises are not just kind of vacuous nonsense. We will praise him reasonably. But also, there's a little bit more to this. So have a look at verse 7. For God is the king of all the earth, sing to him a psalm of praise. Now that word psalm of praise, can you just flick um, back a page? And at the top of verse 44, uh, Psalm 44, it says a maskil. And at the top of verse four, uh, Psalm 45, it says a maskil. And it is most likely that uh, a maskil is a type of psalm, and um, it means uh, with all your ah. Well, when it when it says it, it it's the same as in verse seven, a psalm of praise. It's probably a musical term that says at the bottom there. So you could say, I will sing to him a maskil. Now, the root of maskil is wisdom. And so it could be translated in, in verse 7 there, uh, it could be translated, sing to him with all your art, or with all your understanding, which is probably the best translation. So what it's saying is, sing to God with all your understanding. Now sometimes you hear worship leaders saying, well let's just switch off our minds, and let's empty ourselves, and let's just engage with God, and so on, and let it all flow over us, or something like that. Well, please don't do that, because uh, um, we, we have here a psalm of praise. It is a masculine. It is something which is with our understanding. We're supposed to use our minds. And we can see here how the psalmist uses his, or her, whoever wrote it, how they use their minds, can't we? Verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 8, verse 9. This is understanding. So we can still sing, you know, well, I'm lost in wonder. Yes, of course, that's fine. Because we've had to think about it. 
But we know God is greater, far greater than any of our puny minds. And we can uh, uh, begin to grasp things, but you know we're never going to completely understand him and all his greatness. So it's fine to say there are limits, but we seek to understand. And we praise him understandably. Number nine, we're getting there, is humbly. Humbly. Well, of course you would. If God is so great, then of course we want to praise him humbly. We can only praise him with humility. The, ar- the arrogants have great difficulty uh, in praising God because they'd rather be praising themselves. The humble find it much easier. Now, verses 8 and 9 are looking towards the end time. Uh, verse 8, there are very clear echoes of revelation there. And at the end of time, Jesus will return and the nations will gather. They will assemble, as you see there in verse 9, uh, before God's throne. And everyone will acknowledge that Jesus is king and God's people will praise him for all eternity energetically, joyfully, obediently, reverently, vocally, musically, reasonably, humbly. And one more thing here. When it says in verse 9, he is greatly exalted, the last little phrase of the psalm, greatly lifted up, literally. And what does that remind you of? It's It's meant for us to see greatly lifted up, greatly exalted. This is Jesus on a cross, and then Jesus raised on high. Refers to the crucifixion. Uh, and as Jesus said in John 12, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw people to all, all, will draw all people to myself. And so we praise and we worship a crucified Savior, God in the flesh, lifted up on the earth, and now lifted up in heaven for all eternity. And as we look to that, then of course, of course, we will praise him humbly, knowing that he gave himself for us in his death. And then one final thing, number 10, is evangelistically. Now, in many ways, this psalm is evangelistic. And in many ways, our, psalm, our praise should be evangelistic as well. Um, the, whole, the whole of Psalm 47 seems to me is just saying, come on, join in, people. Join in in this praising of God. Join in. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 6, for instance. Join in. And when people come here and they see us praising God and meaning it, it's a good thing. It should be infectious. It should be evangelistic. And it's good to invite people to church and for them to see us actually praising God. And we can, and we can be saying to folks, look, come on, you can know this God too. And if you think all this stuff is all a bit weird, um, then actually we want to say, you can know this God too. He can be your God as much as he is our God. So for now and for the rest of the service, I asked if you have the sermon early so that we could actually praise God together. And put into practice maybe one or two of the things which we can see with this psalm. So when we, uh, when we come to praise him, mainly I guess in song now, we're going to praise him, I trust, energetically, joyfully, obediently, globally, joining with Christians around the world, reverently, vocally, musically, 
reasonably. Don't turn your brains off altogether. Don't turn them off at all. Humbly and also evangelistically.